I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And I am Bill Fox. And we love to watch. We love to watch knows that where there's tiaras, there's dirt. Hey, Pete. Hey, Bill. <laughs> hey. <laughs> oh, Pete caught me off guard. I'm excited about the by saying By saying hello to you? or just <laughs> No, there's tiaras, there's dirt. I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> this is going to be what Bill has listened to a lot of episodes, so I think it's going to be weird. Sometimes when guests listen to a lot of episodes before being on the show, they, uh, they don't talk because they feel like they're just listening to a podcast. <laughs> um, so I don't think that's going to be a problem with Bill, but I should introduce you, Bill, is because we're we love to watch we're movie podcasts we pick a theme and we do movies over the course of that month around that theme and it's december we're kicking off a new theme now we've we've kind of covered a lot of different christmas movie angles in december the first december our our themed month was uh christmas horror a lot of christmas horror movies everyone loves to see santa kill people um the next one we did a Shane Black Christmas, which kind of takes uh, – which while it was specifically about Shane Black movies, it kind of covers that Christmas genre of non-Christmas movies set at Christmas. Uh, the diehards, the lethal weapons, that, that Christmas is a background, but most people don't consider that like an idea of uh, celebrating the holiday of Christmas necessarily. Um, but then last – Last December, we did Let's Do Some Christmas Classics, stuff like It's a Wonderful Life and The Nightmare Before Christmas and Home Alone. Your mileage may vary on how classic you think these things are. Uh, And we realized we left out maybe one of the most important in modern day Christmas genres. Definitely the the kind of subgenre that has produced the most Christmas movies. Uh, I don't even have to. Volume is important. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even need to check that statement as a fact because uh, in research to decide what movies to do, there were hundreds upon hundreds of these going back to the mid-90s. And what that is is kind of the made-for-cable television Christmas movie. And this month's theme is a very saccharine Christmas. And we're kicking off with probably uh, the movies that have gotten the – the most, I don't know, uh, Twitter poke fun of in the last couple years. And those are uh, uh, A Christmas Prince 1 and 2, uh, A Royal Wedding. A Christmas Prince and Christmas Prince 2, A Royal Wedding. And uh, how we're dividing this, we're going to talk about the impetus this month and introduce Bill here a little more formally in a second. But essentially what we wanted to do is we looked at literally the rows upon rows like it was fucking Arlington National Cemetery of unmarked Christmas movies. Uh, (laughs) And (laughs) they couldn't tell the difference by the name. You don't know who's in them. And uh, there was another idea. A Christmas wish. A A wish for Christmas. Exactly. The road to Christmas. What I wish for Christmas. Road for Christmas. (laughs) Oh, on the Christmas road. There is so many. And so we decided, well, how do we we divide them up? And (laughs) – the way that we decided on it uh, was by picking kind of what is considered uh, the best or most famous Christmas movie from the three major contributors of this genre. So that's the Hallmark Channel, um, the Lifetime Channel, and Netflix. Uh, Netflix a little newer to the game. 
but also the most memeable movies uh, in these two have come out. So uh, that's what we're doing. And we're ending it with a Christmas special on the most sacred thing of all, uh, Full House. Unrelated, we just need to talk about Full House. Uh, our guest today is, is Bill Fox, who is a guest that I've met in person. Um, a guest that Peter probably got wedgies from at some point in his life. <laughs> at least a swirly or a wedgie. No, Bill was Bill was a nice uh, sister's uh, boyfriend. Uh, he played Legos with me. When yeah, we, I think we I, I was much met. more interested in hanging out with Peter than you know his sister. So <laughs> we, we really bonded, and, and that's why your sister is now your ex girlfriend, current wife. Correct. Ex girlfriend, <laughs> um, current wife. Ex girlfriend broke up with her on her wedding day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're not boyfriend and girlfriend no more. The first question I have is. Do you think Peter's sister, your wife, will listen to this episode? No. That's that's an easy answer. <laughs> what were her thoughts about you doing this? Disbelief. <laughs> the only reason she respects that I listen to it is because I occasionally let her know if she's mentioned on the podcast. But I actually tried to put on half of one of the Muppet episodes. We were driving in the car. Yep. And like halfway in to Pete talking about one Muppet fucking another Muppet, like literally 10 <laughs> seconds in, she started screaming and forced me to change it. So she <laughs> will probably not be watching or listening. Excuse me. I, I forgot. So I forget which sister said this when I met them at Peter's wedding. But uh, when talking to me, it was like, you know, I tried to listen to an episode once. It was like, not for me. <laughs> like, like it may have been could both. Be either. Either. Yeah, that, that might have been unison. both. <laughs> yeah. Like, I did hear it in stereo. It was a little bit of a, like an acapella uh, statement. No, like you, you uh, Natalie was standing in front of you, but Elise is on the other side of the house and hurt and, and yelled out. It's just not my thing. It's just, I just don't get it. Like, no one asked you, Elise. Which I, I just of, don't like it. One of, one of well, because one of them said they just don't like podcasts. Like, they didn't understand the format. And the other one was like, I like podcasts. This one's not for me. Yeah, that's my wife. The, the one okay. that enjoys podcasts but refuses to listen to yours. That, yeah, she belongs on my side. So. <laughs> Okay, so that means, I mean, I mean it's important we can talk to note, about a though, lot of things. Then. Besides having married Peter's sister, I have... Zero other qualifications of being on this podcast. You know, I, I was trying to like think of great titles I could make up, like editor of such or you know, visual design for this, or I do this blog about films. Yeah, zero. I think like <laughs> in reflecting no, on Bill, why you, you are having me special. on the show, I'm pretty sure it's just because I'm a shill. I'm the only simple-minded person you know who actually enjoys these made-for-TV movies, and they're like, we need someone <laughs> dumb enough to stand up in front of them. <laughs> So Bill, you are you are you're on for many reasons. Uh, one, because uh, we both enjoy your company. Oh, that's uh, true. Two, it's that you are a subject matter expert. <laughs> and three, you were the reason that we decided to do this theme at all, and also why we had to horrifically compromise down to uh, down to just four movies. Well, Peter had mentioned last Christmas that, and I had not met Bill at this point. Uh, that would come a few months later at uh, Peter's bachelor weekend. But he said, you know, I kind of have this idea. My brother-in-law wants to do this like bracket of Hallmark Christmas movies. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole year away. I'll probably be dead. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Please <laughs> mainly be dead. because I knew I mainly because I knew I was going to Peter's bachelor weekend and we were going up a mountain. And I'm like, that'll probably be the end of it anyways. But OK. Um, so I met Bill. 
And Bill, he was like, I want to talk about two things with you. First, your logo's bad. And I'm going to pull out my iPad Pro. There's your plug for your favorite device, Bill. And come up with new logos. And the first thing I said when Bill said your logo's bad is, yeah, we've known for years. Like, I'm in total agreement. No one would disagree with you. When we did eventually, very soon after that, finally pay uh, someone to create us a new logo. And we love the new one. And also, he wanted to talk to me about this bracket and all the ideas he had of making me watch 64 Hallmark movies. And then I, I'm not even, I never quite sussed out what the plan for recording was. Were we just going to watch a bunch and report which ones we liked? Were we going to, was Bill's plan for us to release 64 episodes? Plus, I mean, it'd be more than 64 uh, over the course of December. Like, I never quite sussed out what the full game plan was. Well, you also for, you don't have to rewatch them in subsequent rounds, right? You only have to watch. I mean, like, that's a good point. The so first I guess it's bracket, two episodes. I mean, you could do a yeah, sweet yeah, sixteen. Theoretically, its performance will be identical in round one as round two, right? So I, I was, I I was still an idea formation at that point in time because there's also like you could probably subdivide Hallmark into like five distinct like movie themes. I mean, same arc of the entire film is you know similar across I don't know three or four right you take small town right and lonely you know either widow or maybe single working woman and like from there it's like two other like twists and you're done I mean that's 75% of it see and Bill does know his stuff he and uh, there's definitely more because you're right there's definitely more than 64 Christmas Hallmark movies so I, I will say how we came up with the movies that we're doing this month, which is uh, the Netflix ones. We're doing North Pole, which is the representation of the Hallmark Channel. And we are doing uh, Road to Christmas, uh, which is the Lifetime one we selected. And we picked these essentially because – so the Christmas Prince ones were a no-brainer. Uh, and then for Hallmark and Lifetime, I did a little bit of research and went and tried to figure out what are considered uh, not the most memeable – uh, or the most known, but what are truly considered the best. Because, of course, in the age of the internet, there is tons of lists that kind of say, we ranked all 145 Lifetime Christmas movies, and those absolutely exist. So, uh, North Pole is considered the best Hallmark one, based on, again, limited amount of research. I'm sure there's people that would disagree, but that's why it was picked. And Road to Christmas is considered the third best, with the other two completely unavailable from the Lifetime channel uh including one from 1997 with mark ruffalo but uh i couldn't even find a vhs copy so uh so yeah that's how we ended up here so bill how do you feel about your uh like fucking mozart final sympathy or final symphony jesus christ final sim Funny. Sound it out. Um, Sound it out. Being turned into, let's watch a couple of these movies. I'm, I'm going to point out first that I, I got 12 beers for the occasion. So whichever ends first, the <laughs> podcast or the beers, um, I'm out. But in terms of... <laughs> when you hear the 12th crack... Yes, on the 12th uh, crack of Christmas, I will be out of beer. When the, when the, when the beer strikes 12, get out. Nah, Everyone I, turns into a pumpkin. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, or I'll just turn off my computer or find booze that'd probably be the, the actual <laughs> please save the file at the very least yeah, there's no promises um 
th- we're 38 minutes we're 38 minutes in and bill is draining out water from the radiator to drink <laughs> mixing it with gin um I-, I am excited about the movies because obviously there's a lot to talk about in the christmas prince and a christmas prince wedding but i would say they are kind of the you know the newcomers the copycats of of the mix right i mean hallmark middle of the plate lifetime probably you know has its own role now because they've been copying long enough but netflix clearly is you know i i see something that's mildly successful and has a limited budget let's do that but i'm gonna gonna forget that it's also it goes with netflix's model which is we're going to find a niche thing for everybody right we're gonna find uh some reason for you to not be able to get rid of your service and more often than not that ends up with tv because tv ties you in for longer periods of time you're less likely to cancel your account all that but they they do do these cheap movies um and the and i think when the movies get more than like five viewers they're like yeah christmas prince make another christmas prince and that's why they're making literally the movies we're covering today the christmas prince and the christmas prince a royal wedding it's a christmas prince there's more than one christmas prince um uh Aaron, you're my christmas a lot of prince christmas movies royalty in general they're literally bringing out another one on december 5th which we'll discuss later. Uh, yeah, we're recording this we're, at eleven twenty-one, so we got a lot of. We can do some speculation for a follow-up episode. Yes. So the the they literally made one in twenty seventeen, one in twenty eighteen, and one in twenty nineteen. And the only reason they couldn't pump them out any faster is because Christmas is unfortunately <laughs> just once a year. So Peter, would you say since we are covering two of them, would you say that it is true that there's one two princes here before you? One, two, princes that adore you. One has diamonds on his collar. That's some bread now. This one says he wants to buy you flowers. Ain't in his head now. How many minutes do you want for the song to I mean, you gotta, we, we have to have at least a minute of scatting. <laughs> when uh, else are we going to have a chance to scat? Uh, rarely, if ever. Um, when we finally do The Jazz Singer, um, that's when we'll get our chance. That whole album is just filled with, like, sad songs about, like... Everyone hates me, or uh, the person I'm with is terrible because it has that where it's like, yeah, I'm poor and suck, but the other guy fake rich or something. And then there's the yes. little miss can't be wrong, which is uh, my my girlfriend is bad. And then there's Jimmy Olsen's blues, which is like uh, the incel anthem against uh, Superman. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you consider? Uh... All of these these songs. The reason he's so bitter and everyone is so driven away from him. Do you think that the uh, the patient zero for his misery is uh, his scatting? Uh, I think it's because he's the, the the person in the two princes song chose the first prince logically. Because um, I mean, he's got the fir- the first prince has some bread now. Yeah, which I think means I just, money. The thing I love about this bit is that it's not going to be cut. <laughs> it's just oh, going to stay in here. Look, what else am I going to be able to can do? I, it can too? I start like, swearing over it? Well, oh shit! You're going to just delete my track. <laughs> penis, penis, penis. <laughs> that's that's Bill's like. But yeah. I, I I do like the concept of establishing a safe word, 
right? Like, <laughs> that, is, that is good. Can the safe word be scatting? Well, okay, fine. I was thinking penis, but if we want to go with scatting, I'll try. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I will for sure cut scatting. Bill, unlike penises, which I like better uncut. <laughs> That was good. That season. Yeah, that definitely. Now you have have to leave in the rest of it or else it makes no fucking sense. (laughs) No, we're going to be talking about a a Christmas prince and then it's going to abruptly cut to, I like my prince's uncut. (laughs) Unlike my scatting. But people might think you're talking about pooping at that point without the context. Yeah, and I I would hate that. Cut cut poop. Uh, Bill, so why don't you let us know? So... You uh, at, talking to you at length about different brackets that we could do for this, and your your uh, passion for wanting us to cover these movies. I think the the most important question is, uh, why are you so into these these movies? Like, w- clearly, you've had a long term relationship with uh, watching the the made for TV Christmas movies. I'll be honest, the I haven't watched the next two movies that we're covering. These are the first of Hallmark Lifetime made for Netflix like TV movies that I've I've watched ever in this kind of like romance Christmas find your genre. Like <laughs> the only light made for Lifetime movie I've ever watched is that weird uh, Will Ferrell Kristen Wiig one. Oh yeah, where the Deadly Adoption where they're they're just the funny part is they're they're literally doing a Lifetime script, but it's Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig. Yeah, I mean, which was funny. Um, it was funny, yeah. I, I mean, I'm going to be honest, if you're going to be honest. I mean, I don't think people actually care about my opinion on the point, but I was going to bring it up on when Peter was talking about why did Netflix make the movie. It's not like they figured something out. Hallmark figured it out first, right? Clearly, people are watching these things religiously with enough numbers or with great enough viewership that it makes sense to pump out more and more every year to the point where Netflix had to copy them themselves, right? And say, this is easy viewers, let's do it. So it's not just me who likes this garbage. I just want to be clear. I mean, it's a lot of people. I think that's clear. I don't think they made a whole like television network for Bill. I know. I'm just saying I'm not in the minority. You guys are. Yeah. So it's it's not Fox. So perhaps we should focus on what (laughs) makes a movie good. And I use movie, not film because I'm I don't belong on this podcast, but <laughs> what, po- what what makes it, are you listening to? I, you you guys, think we you, only cover like fucking Truffaut and I mean, what, what what makes a movie good, right? I mean, p- part of it, I think, for me and others, is I can turn these on and I don't have to pay attention, and that's great. <laughs> I mean, by the Ebert rule, the Ebert rule is: does the movie satisfy what it sets out to do, right? And is that and, and then the, I guess the the higher question is: is what it's trying to do noble? Um, but what it's these movies very often you can the reason we talk about good and bad is like do they specifically set a, satisfy that set of criteria of what we expect out of these movies because like they are very much about like they they need to satisfy these these cutesy things or these um, these like these low stake things and I think as we we talk throughout this month and throughout this episode specifically we're going to talk about what what is it in these Hallmark Lifetime Netflix style films? Like, what is it that we're trying to scratch? Because, yeah, Bill, you're you're totally right. Like, these movies aren't necessarily all bad um, as a genre, 
It's just that certain ones satisfy what you're looking for going into it, and certain films don't, right? I wouldn't kick him out of my sleigh. Um, (laughs) Sorry. I stole your thunder, Peter. (laughs) I I mean, it's all about managing expectations. All you do is quote these movies. I'm good. It's managing expectations. You get what you want every single time. And even the bad Hallmark movies, you get what you were expecting. I mean, now, I would say, Aaron, if you watched this one and you wanted to, you know – ritualistically kill yourself you do not even try hallmark because this is actually probably i don't know three four times the production value of your typical hallmark movie and has like probably one or two more twists than your typical hallmark movie so not to get into like here's the point of our podcast peter and i it's not like we, we've we've never tried to be a bad movie podcast and and for a lot of our stuff we dislike i think there's a couple exceptions but dislike bad movie podcast mainly because um, I'll, I'll use one as an example that I don't need to say their name, but most people could probably guess what it is, where they basically do every episode with a preform, this movie sucks. They spend two hours going, this is so fucking stupid. And then, which I guess is fine if you're picking movies that are really bad, but I got super annoyed with it because they would do like good movies and then at the end of it be like, oh yeah, no, this movie's great. And it's like, well, you didn't even, like, allow for that in your format. And that's frustrating. Where there is some bad movie podcasts, like How Did This Get Made, that I do really enjoy because it feels like they are celebrating ridiculousness um, as opposed to just uh, being angry that the movie exists for two hours. And I think, you know, we, we quote-unquote love to watch, but we don't always love the movies we cover. And even ones that we really enjoy – uh, for reasons maybe the filmmaker didn't intend, you know, we we have criticisms here and there. So this this month was like a little bit for me, like, man, we're kind of doing something that might be set up to be um, to be uh, just where we're picking movies that are almost going to be surely a little more derided than some of the stuff that we, we pick on a normal basis. But uh, but actually, I went into this with. A little bit of of that mentality that you just said, Bill. Like, you know what I do, especially as I've gotten older, and sometimes I don't always have time for, like, a movie that, um, you know, I'm tired after the kids go to bed. I don't always want movies that are – I need to pay attention to. Like, I like having – emotionally demanding. Yeah, I like something that's pleasant. Um, And so there's a lot of, like, movies that are maybe, quote, unquote, middle brow that I would have dismissed in years past that I – I watch and I enjoy and I really end up liking them as like just like cinematic comfort food. And I was kind of hoping for that with these. And to be honest, I was really, really surprised not by the production value or the acting like the uh, the acting's not good in this. But like there's people in this movie that I've seen act well in other things, um, including our lead, who's really good in iZombie. And... But I just, like, I was surprised at how, like, I expected a eye-roll-inducing but fun love story with two people with maybe a tiny bit of chemistry. And, you know, great, you get to see this girl from Queens grow up and marry a prince. Like, that's a fun, it's a fun thing that happens. There's a lot of, I'll probably see a cool, like, what's it like to be a princess montage and other fun stuff. And I was truly surprised at how dour and sad these especially the first movie is and that like 
not only do the two leads don't like live up the idea of like fun prince and princess marrying each other and like that can just be an enjoyable thing two beautiful rich people fall in love that's like why tabloids are a thing like I can enjoy that for a movie. And that's, like, not present here at all. So, I – like, and in the second one, I like the second one better because it does have a little more fun. And specifically by introducing a character very dear to my heart uh, and making him a main character played by a different actor. We'll talk more about that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but – uh, again, someone has been listening to our podcast and took our New York uh, accent characters and made them into a full flesh movie star. I can't, <laughs> I can't dislike that. Um, and as a matter of fact, but we'll get there. I want to talk way more about that. It's pandering, but you know what? Pan- We're it only is pan- I was it thinking that but- like, I can't do the accent. I'm like, they're gonna do the accent. Oh. I, it's what's bad is that. So the first one, it's I'll just say it. Like her dad. In the in this movie, in the first movie, he's played by a different actor, but he is all like New York. He he runs a diner and is just like uh, just says like stupid New York stuff, and I'm like, this is great. They made a and th- they made a character out of our New York accent. So dumb. No one's ever been, like this person has never been to New York. And then in the second one, they change actors, and the notes to the studio must have been for Dad Number One. Not New York enough. Dial it because up. <laughs> dial it like up a hundred times. Turn it to 11. <laughs> like pretend Joe Pesci fell down eight flights of stairs every day for three years. <laughs> and he's playing his Goodfellas character. Can you do that? But like a friendly dad who likes to cook. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was insane that like the New York caricature in movie one was like yeah we could go bigger well (laughs) yeah 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 they they leaned into it in like the preview for episode three so oh yeah cannot wait (laughs) so so i want to jump back to something you were talking about and that's that's uh something that these movies do that i've noticed is sometimes they are very much about the meat cute and their standard rom-coms both of these movies have a lot more going on in terms of like exterior drama And even movies that are rom-coms very often take the meet-cute courting period, the like all, all, you know, the entire plot of rom-coms. They take them as a given because it's less stressful. (laughs) So for this movie, the first movie, um, they take a lot of the courting period as like almost like hilariously uh, it's it's hilariously taken as a given that she's going to fall in love with him well, like I, I, I feel like it was written by an ai bot it, it is it feels like it feels like it was just like well yes this is the scene in the movie where she falls in love and in that yeah. sense it's interesting because because you're not stressed about whether or not they're going to fall in love in the way you would within like i don't know sleepless in seattle or something um you're since you're not stressed about whether or not it's going to work out you get to focus on other stuff in the movie which is why the second movie being so overstuffed with plot and character makes it so much more fun because there's more stuff to do um but the, but the i do have an overarching theory on Hallmark, Lifetime, Netflix now <laughs> style movies, um, the Christmas, specifically the Christmas uh, rom-com genre. Well, actually, um, before you say your theory, like, I do, I, I'm suspicious that our next two movies are going to be more fun. They're, they're going to be more in your wheelhouse that you described. I think you hit it on the head. You said comfort food. You're, yeah. You're going to get more comfort food out of Hallmark. I mean, Netflix tried to do, they tried to be a little bit extra. 
I mean, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, as, as far as Christmas here. movies made for TV go, they, they, they've gone a little bit extra. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of plot here. Um, and, and sometimes the story is literally like there's three sets. There's like the the town square where like there's a parade or some shit. Uh, and then there's like uh, the main character's uh, kitchen of her cookie shop. Um, and then uh, the hot guy's house that happens to be this like g- gorgeous cabin. Well, no, like he's or, or he's refinishing it. I mean, it, yeah, he's, it's, <laughs> it's a rehab project because he's a firefighter during the day and he only has nights to paint. And like he asked her to help paint. I mean, that's <laughs> and, and he's got that compulsion where he's a perfect individual, an angel, but he needs calves right away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bill, as someone who who uh, is incredibly handy and has like uh, very much like an engineer's mind and a carpenter's mind, uh, do you think that you're living vicariously through the like uh, the small town hunk yes. thing? Yeah. I mean, okay. I, if I could just get rid of this dad bod, you know, I'd probably <laughs> say, fuck it, move to a small town and wait for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I do have an overarching theory on all these movies, and because I don't think we're going to have much final thoughts on the two movies, Lies. I think we're probably just going to be ranting. Um, but uh, my overarching would you theory, say we're going to be scatting? <laughs> we're going to be skitting. We're going to be scatting, baby. We're we're going to be bopping. We're going to be juking and jiving. That's a different type of scatting. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not juking, Peter. We've Will talked about it. Will you jive? <sighs> just because it's Christmas. Don't you think it'll be kind of one note if you just jive? I, look, I'll, I'll jump. A little joke. I'll, I'll jump. I'll jive. I'll wail, but no juking. Okay. 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 We'll get to it later. Okay. Well, can we can we talk off mic? Can we can we speak on the terrace? I mean, we literally can't speak off mic. We we're can in we, different can cities. We, can we just talk on the terrace for five minutes, please, okay. Bill? Do you mind if we talk on the terrace? Go ahead. Um, Peter. Hey. Yeah. I've told you that my uncle died of juking. <laughs> well, I don't. I, I, I'm sorry, but like at some point, I'm just going to have to say that it's immersion therapy to help you get over that. But really, I just want you to fucking juke. But he, he juked so hard, he took out, he took out an entire uh, choir that was performing um, uh, for, for uh, uh, step, not the real baby Jesus, a statue. But he juked so hard. All those children, his children's choir. Guys. They all went down in guys, flames. Hey, are you still on the terrace? <laughs> Yeah, you did this bit like a year ago. <laughs> we did we did the juking bit. No, you I did the step so. out on the terrace bit. Oh yeah, no, it's a rec- it's called a recurring bit, oh, Bill. Fine, cool. You guys have fun. I'm gonna go back inside. <laughs> yeah, Who Bill is Bill. For? Hold on, hey Peter, Shh. <laughs> is Bill hanging from the terrace? Did he climb out the window and has his fingers like on the balcony part of the terrace? I think. I think did he juke too hard? Just like my uncle. <laughs> We call him Uncle Jukes. That was his name. That was the irony. We couldn't even print his obituaries. <laughs> That's like calling my uncle murdered by jealous wife. Yeah. Some people are named that. You can name your kids anything. There's literally no legal limitations. I mean, I think there was that one kid that got named Adolf Hitler and they had to kind of step in there. I was just going to yeah, say, well, yeah. this terrace looks like Mussolini's. Like, we should probably <laughs> cover parliamentary government. I mean... <laughs> All right. Well, all right. Well, we're, we're all right. Yeah, here. we're back. We're yeah. here. No more um, so my central theory behind this, the Hallmark movies, and I'm going to sort of test this for the month, is that uh, it, it's it's uh, it goes by two titles, Christmas Edging or Tantric Christmas. 
And my th- but there's like no Christmas in this movie. So here's uh, the, the ladder has a lot of Christmas, yeah, but, but uh, here's but actually that there is actually this this feeds my theory actually um, that more, more none things of these happen movies on are Eve. particularly emotionally exhausting. They're not emotionally taxing, really. Um, they're sort of low level, and they give you little like little tastes of wholesome Christmas, but they're not giving you like a full satisfying meal, right? Um, they're, they're giving you little baubles. They're giving you little moments. They're kind of pulling you along through the Christmas season. And the reason I think that it's become so, so interesting in the past five years, why these movies have risen and become like this, like 40 day fucking like, uh, like baton death march of Christmas is because risen in 40 (laughs) days. Like Peter, you need to like back off on the biblical references. (laughs) I will not. This podcast is transitioning into a hardcore evangelical Christian podcast, and you guys need to clean up your act. Your mom might listen now. <laughs> yeah, she might. Um, but I think it's Christmas edging, and it's Chris- Tantra Christmas, because when you're trying to uh, extend the Christmas season to uh, boundless hours, uh, boundless days, um, you can't just you can't just blow your load on by you know December first and watch all. Everyone knows you, you when you watch these movies, you don't watch like Home Alone, Elf, and all the other movies right as soon as Thanksgiving hits, because you'll you'll be burned out on Christmas by the time christmas comes you're going to be exhausted by it so i feel like these movies are actually tapping into something that i can agree with which is if the season needs to last this long why not have these gentler sort of pulls along for the season as opposed to getting smashed in the face with all the super aggressive christmas movies that frankly like have a deeper emotional resonance like we just talked about muppet christmas carol and how it like pretty much makes me cry every year and um the stuff that like really taps into it, these, these Hallmark movies will never ask you to cry. Um, I mean, if you're in a very sensitive place, they might they might make you cry. But I think that the I, they're so gentle with you, and like the fact that you can watch like ten of them without getting exhausted is kind of like it's a feature, not a bug. I don't know. I watched these two back to back, and I felt pretty exhausted by the end of it. But um, <laughs> but so I actually agree with your point in. Uh, in macro like I agree with your uh, about like Hallmark and Lifetime movies and I do think me not having experience in that kind of subgenre and then watching these two is probably like I still like when I think of those movies I am thinking of like romantic comedies I would not describe these really as romantic comedies like or even even non-funny romantic comedies especially the first one so I guess but here's my question about not the movies as a whole because again I buy the idea that um, it's just someone you know it's a lot of Christmas and there's only like 20 really good Christmas movies about Christmas so it's fun to, to throw in these other these other movies and the idea of like just cinematic comfort food I came home from a long day I want to watch uh, uh, pretty people celebrate Christmas and have some mild hijinks Um but about a Christmas Prince one and two in general, and I don't know how to say this in a way that doesn't sound condescending, so I apologize. But do you think there are people that enjoy these movies unironically? I think I think my enjoyment of them has been touches ironic and unironic, and I think that you can't watch more than. I don't think you can watch more than one or two of them without kind of weaving between 
between that, I don't think you could watch too ironically. I think you have to have at some point some sort of earnest attachment or else it's just going to it's just going to be too cynical. Bill, what do you think? Do you- I, I realize my definition of watch probably needs to be honed a little bit. Because like, I watched the second one in, in, you know, the time you guys graced me with the invitation to do this. I've watched both of them many times each in, you know, the preceding two weeks. But I realized like an hour before we started tonight that I, I've never actually seen the wedding part. I've heard it. But like inevitably when I start these movies, I'm starting something else, be it something in my workshop or work itself or whatever it may be. Maybe it's just my phone. But I like them on in the background and I leave them there. And so I like it unironically, but then I realize I'm also not really like trying to process what's going on, right? Like, so Aaron, if you actually sat there and tried to think about these movies, I'd be exhausted too. Like, that's why I kind of said, you know, screw you guys for ruining the magic for me. Actually having (laughs) thought about these movies, I was like, oh my God, like, why am I doing this? Like, I'm supposed to just turn these on and be happy. So when you finally watch The Wedding... Were you as disappointed as my daughter that the wedding dress was pretty, um, I guess, basic? Well, yes. But also, like, let, let's recall that he's on the cover of all these tabloids, right? This is like the wedding of the year. She's on the Tonight Show or doing the circuit, right? And then there's maybe 100 people for the wedding. Like, there's no and paparazzi. most of them don't get to dance. It, well, it's like, also like a very multi multicultural group, which, you know, we, we should probably dive in on what Aldovia is later, but... <laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna need. Well, to it's multicultural because it's multicultural because yes, um, yes, <laughs> because she brings her two friends from New York, <laughs> and they hired in a designer from presumably India um, or maybe the Middle East. I don't know if uh, yeah, yeah. The person who made Christmas uh, Christmas friends two had two notes. Like one, okay, uh, you know the New York dad. I know guys way more New York than that. Make it bigger, and then two. I saw this movie recently called Father of the Bride, <laughs> and uh, Wedding Planner was uh, he was a pretty pretty effeminate uh, gay uh, gay individual. Uh, let's do that, but you know, uh, person of color. Yeah. I mean, you could actually do that with most scenes in this movie. I mean, they borrowed tremendously. That's why I think it was Princess written Diaries. by an AI bot. Yeah, I get it. The whole thing with her shoes, right? Where like she has tennis shoes. And she wears them under dresses in fancy situation. That is like a, a characterization, that idea of like the rich girl keeping some like element of roots. Except they forgot all of the characterization that like then has here. Like here's the thing that she does because of this is how she feels. <laughs> they took out all the part that actually like makes that action relate to a character and, and just made it like – Oh, yeah, she wears shoes under dresses. Well, because no, she like this movie is so deep that it assumes you have that preconceived notion in your head and they don't have to explain it. But that's what they do. <laughs> it's like they just take like they take the moments of these movies, but don't tie it into like a character trait. And it's so like it's it's weird. It's like people are doing actions because they that's how the movies work and that's what actions and other like it does feel like someone like i watch 800 i programmed an ai bot to watch 800 romantic comedies and they made this movie like that's what it feels like just because it's missing the part where like 
the 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 humanity in it where it understands that you can't just have someone wearing the shoes it ha- that has to be a reaction to who she is as a person on even if it's a basic uninteresting unthought out non-deep character motivation it can't just be that she wears the shoes yeah well <laughs> it's they forget a lot of parts like i'm pretty sure they don't fall in love and then three days later or five days later, he proposes. <laughs> like, yes, yes, yes. It, they, they, they never they never take the time for him to make any real sacrifices for her or make any harsh choices. Like if you were writing this movie, wouldn't you at some point be like, well, he's going to choose to give up the crown so that he can live with her in New York or something. But instead, he takes his crown and then six days later, literally, because it's uh, yep. New Year's Eve, he just shows up in New York with flowers and shit um, and, and then proposes. And yes, like you said, and, and like I was talking about earlier, like they kind of skip over the ROM part of the com and they just make the 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 stress-free assumption that they're just going to fall in love. Well, not only that, but he like actually uses his position of power and he says, how long are you going to keep a king on his knees? Which was like my number one, you know, alternative tagline. But how long are you going to keep a king, king on how his knees? How long are you going to keep a host on his knees? And she's like, okay, fine, let's get married, right? Like, I know it's been six days and you're kind of an asshole, right? But let's do it. <laughs> we've never, we've never had fun. Yeah. We've never smiled. We've never shared a laugh. We've never talked about anything that wasn't a lie (laughs) all right to be fair it's a very 1500s marriage where she lied to get a job and then uh in that job uh he saved her from a wolf and now he he has to she has to marry him yeah well the the ai bot also saw beauty and the beast and put that part in the movie too (laughs) oh remember remember when the wolves attack and then the guy comes out of nowhere on the horse yeah put that in the movie too why not there's wolves on the Aldovia's oh, got a real wolf, wolf problem. Wolf. wolf. Christmas bot 2000. Uh, we're already we're already into it. Let's do it, guys. You guys ready to talk about uh, one, two Christmas princes here before you? Yes. Her alternate taglines. How long are you going to keep a king on his knees? <laughs> that is just a line from the movie. It's so good. Uh, fine. Uh, is Aldovia a neighbor to Genovia? <laughs> I was thinking more along the lines of like, oh, cool. What people want to see in 2017 is what if a country's super uh, uh, misogynist? Not during the year that Me Too came out. <laughs> Women can't be. I don't think that would fit on a. I don't think that would fit on a poster, Aaron. <laughs> well, did they have posters for this? It played on Netflix, Peter. They need something to get people to click just on. Just just a thumbnail. <laughs> it's just having Christmas in the title. It's all. It's people. all about the only thing that gets it is oh, it's in trending now. Sure, I've watched it all is, the other things. I will say, Bill and I have done this before, where we literally just pulled up Netflix and typed in Christmas and, just, <laughs> and then just watched whatever came up that we hadn't seen. It's, it's actually uh, pretty Netflix this year, so yeah. you'll know. Our uh, stockings were hung with, by the chimney with care. Netflix does have one good Christmas movie, though, that doesn't feel like it falls into this category because it has, like, a star and a budget. Um, 
the Christmas Chronicles. That's oh cool. yeah! Actually, I just saw that when I searched for Christmas. Early. It doesn't quite fit. We should have done. It's not we this. Do, we what we were gonna do last year when we did the Santa Claus movies is I was like I was almost pushing to do four movies and then do Christmas Chronicles as like this is them remaking the Santa Claus, but it was a little bit too, too many movies to do in one episode. Santa Claus, well, many two? Christmases. Two? Yeah, we did. We did two and three. You did two two. We did two as well. Oh, recurring bits. All right. So the first one. Uh, so Amber is a, I don't know, kind of an intern or an editor or something. She's like, look at this fucking prince. What asshole. He's, he's dating women and sometimes goes on a boat and drinks too much. Oh, I hate this guy. What? He might, he's going to come be king because his dad died. Uh, someone should go cover it. And then, so she talks to her too. Um, best friends <laughs> work at the magazine with her um and she is assigned uh a, a person of color a person and of color best gay and a best gay um, because that they are assigned to every white woman in one of these movies yep uh and so she she goes to cover the uh the the prince saying i'm gonna be the king and the second she gets there, she's like, yeah, I got to – this is my first story assignment. I got to do really good. So uh, the only thing I can think to do is to pretend to be a tutor of the, the prince's sister who has spina bifida and, uh, and is confined to a wheelchair. While you're saying that, uh, do you mean she's going to pretend to be a tutor like the royal family? No. Do you mean like she's going to pretend to be like a tutor, like someone who farts? Well, here's the other thing that kind of sucks about her being a tutor is that she's like she's kind of shittily prejudiced because she's like uh, uh, teaching a 13 year old girl, <laughs> probably just a fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> I can do this. And then like she looks at the first workbook. She's like, oh, I don't understand any of this stuff. <laughs> like I'm the idiot. Uh, but but eventually she, you know, they kind of like they kind of become friends. Um, well, they do become friends. All she never becomes be- a tutor. But anyways. I, I, she never becomes yeah, a tutor. Yeah, all but of so- Bill's notes being him solving the math problems for Amber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so meanwhile, they also – there's like – there's like this cousin Wesley and this other person who are like trying to scheme to become the – get Wesley to be the king. And uh, yeah, so uh, – the prince is like first. She's named Simon. Simon, sure. Jesus Christ. The pri- the Christmas. He's like he's a Christmas prince. They didn't call it Simon. Uh, so <laughs> he's a count. Also, Simon says Simon. Simon's a count. Oh, what's the prince's name? Oh, the prince Richard. Oh, are you sure someone's not named Wesley in these movies? <laughs> it feels like. Um, are you who- thinking of Wesley Snipes? Yes! Oh, guys, P.S. I watched Drop Zone instead. My bad. So close. <laughs> so, so close. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to confuse Wesley Snipes with uh, with Prince Richard in this movie. Uh, yeah, pretty close. So anyways, yeah, so Prince Richard's like, oh, you're the dude tutor. Great. Uh, I guess I know we ran to the airport and I wore a beard and, and took your cab for some reason. Why are you taking a cab? Uh, but now I'm actually super nice. And also, Amber finds out that, she, that he's adopted, and in Aldovia, uh, A, if you're an adopted child, you're not a real child, and the bloodline only goes to male heirs, so sucks to be you. Um, 
Uh, the sister. What's the sister's name? Emily. Oh, Emily. Did you also think, while we're there, did you also think this movie was heading towards uh, him giving up the throne and letting Emily take it over? No. <laughs> because I, I don't thought... think the movie, like, this isn't fucking Game of Thrones. Where you and give it's the just... Christmas prince. It's not the Christmas king. That's true. You know? It's true. Because that would have given away the ending if they called it a Christmas king. Well, it doesn't really make sense for the wedding one, but anyways. Also, P.S., <laughs> Like, Emily is also big bombshell. She's also adopted, but they never talk about that. Yes, and like, a hacker. It, no, she's not. <laughs> yeah, because they say – so, because at she the end – that She literally calls Emily a miracle. So, it's it's actually – it's a thing that happens sometimes is people adopt and then they're like, oh, shit. Our body was our, no, our bodies I, I, were able to be compatible. So I didn't know. Like, I didn't know that they said a miracle. I thought they said we were never able to have kids. No, she's she's a like, miracle. Although I would say that okay. it, it fits the queen's character or like the former queen's character to just perpetuate the lie because she turns out to be a horrible person. Like if she does, and also like you, horrible. you kind of think that Richard like knows that he's adopted, which is why he's been like hemming and hawing about whether to become king. But nope, total shock to him. And then it also gets revealed that Amber is you're not you're not a tutor, you're a journalist, uh, and uh, which probably violates some journalistic ethics. Well, I don't know. So, th- so this um, is an important point because she's not actually a journalist. No, she's an editor, right? And she's so. never been published. And so everyone calls her a journalist. And she Hold even, on. Like, to, to this day, because correct. the ending of this movie is they don't publish her story. Right. And then she starts a blog. Right. All right. So all she's right. She not a journalist. She's a journal. Not a journalist. Not a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's not a journalist. She's a junior editor that's being assigned to a piece. And this is technically supposed to be her, like, first piece. Which um, doesn't get published. Yes, and I also love the, the, the my sort of pet theory for these two movies is that she's actually a terrible uh, terrible author and a terrible well, yeah. writer. But it's who, the, has it's a, who starts a blog in 2018? I mean, get a Twitter Have account. you seen her notes? The the Pause the movie and read her the notes. notes. are hilarious. I just can't get she a read on him. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't know how bullet points work. <laughs> so like, I, <laughs> they're completely they're like they're like completely connected thoughts all seven bullet points in a row or it's like one bullet point is like it is like um the the prince seems to have a mysterious secret and then the next bullet point is like so mysterious yeah. it's like her so inner monologue like must find out more <laughs> exclamation point interesting um i know uh i know i'm just gonna be head- yeah we know you need to find out more it's your fucking job <laughs> should <laughs> investigate it'd be and like then if, write if, down if, what i learned It'd be like if I went into work and like wrote down a to-do list for the day and my first to-do list was like, do work. <laughs> like that's, you're a journalist. Yeah. You're supposed to find out more. I know I'm, sk- I, I know I'm skipping to the end a little bit, but it is very funny to me that like she, she literally like uncovers a, a, a attempted coup and that the prince is not adopted and the laws need to be changed in order for him to – and she writes all this down and her boss is like, fuck you. <laughs> Get this, <laughs> this story's garbage. And she's like, all right, I guess I'll quit my job and go work as a waiter at my dad's bakery. Uh, so thank God she got to marry a prince because everything else 
down the tubes. <laughs> because I think the implication is that she. I think the implication is that she is like her boss is like sort of like a Vice News kind of, or like even like a. They have like no journalist integrity, and she's mad at her for not essentially like ruining people's lives and burning all of her sources to get a story out. Yeah, she's mad that she didn't reveal the adoption thing, and as opposed to it being revealed a day later. Uh, in in a public forum, but like most publications would be like, "Holy shit, this crazy thing happened!" Uh, and I had a reporter there who documented it all with notes, like, "This is crazy." Probably, um, we should publish that story. No one has that account, so yeah. Like she got embedded with the royal family. It feels like it's probably. I mean, she just must be a terrible writer. Well, in real life, what they would what do other is they would treat her. In real life, they would treat Amber as a source and tie her in with a senior writer to actually publish the story and then keep Amber as a um, co-writer, as a confidential source um, until inevitably somebody leaks it, you know, six months later. Right. Anyway, so uh, eventually he gets out of his being adopted. Simon's going to take over the crown. And then all of a sudden Amber's like, wait a minute, that ornament. So she breaks open an ornament, which has a thing with the dead king who said, adopted kids are real kids. And they go, yeah, adopted kids are real kids. You can be kids. The king said the dead king wrote it and don't put it in an ornament. Just like the official decrees that we have that run uh, conceivably a real government. Um, (laughs) uh, Everyone's kind of pissed at her for like uncovering the adoption thing and letting it leak and causing all this shit. But. So she goes home, gets fired <laughs> for being a bad writer, goes to work at her dad's bakery. Uh, they pass right over Christmas. They're celebrating New Year's. Should be called the New Year's Prince. And then the prince shows up and it's like, hey, you want to get married? <laughs> and she's like, of course. And that's the end of the movie. Uh, while, we're, while we were talking about Mad Kings, because um, what king makes it his fucking plan to... Uh, his why has his plan B hidden in a piece of paper inside of a an acorn wooden ornament, and then hoping that somebody opens it? Also, <clears throat> at just the right time, like why didn't he s- separate it out and be like, okay, uh, adopted kids are are royalty, and this this memo gets released at this time? Uh, and then, yeah, he knew and his heir was adopted. Out. Why didn't he do that like, day one? He adopts yeah. a kid. Yeah, it's going to be my real kid. He sure he liked his adopted child first. I mean, (laughs) to be clear, I think his intention was to give it to his wife for Christmas. Is like, here's a gift. I made our adopted son legal, right? But then he died. Yeah. But more importantly, like, why is his edict law if they also have a parliament, right? They have a parliament they they clearly call on all the time. So are they – But we don't know about parliament until movie two. What are – who are all the people standing there as they're about to swear in their new king? They're yeah, just, know, they're just the court. Part. What about the court? No, we, those are there. Well, those there are there is no court of law. I mean, movie two, they send the guy straight to the dungeon, right? No due process. <laughs> that is real. <laughs> so <laughs> clearly, <laughs> it's a true monarch, right? But then sometimes it acts like a parliamentary monarch. And I won't mention just because I'm a huge nerd, so I'm going to mention it. There is an EU flag outside of their parliament in movie two, which suggests that. <laughs> Aldovia might be part of the United European Union, which is 
a hilarious topic relative to its size. But again, I'm going to movie two. Well, hey, a lot of replacement. I mean, that movie was made post Brexit, so <laughs> they're like, yeah. the European Union's like, we got to get some new people. I don't welcome know. Aldovia. Aldovia. I mean, clearly their yeah. economy is based on money laundering and not all this manufacturing bullshit that they talk about. <laughs> It feels like, Peter, I don't, like, based on time at this point, I feel like just go and run and do a plot summary of movie two, and then let's just do it all. <laughs> yeah, okay. so much so, you're going to go. Okay, so movie two. Uh, movie two opens. Amber's uh, journalism career is taking off because no. she has a blog now. It is 2018, and blogs are huge again. She doesn't. They don't, like, transition and make her, like, an Instagram person or, like. Yeah, what, Twitter's a thing. Yeah, like, like just, something. Something that's not a fucking like like live journal blogspot piece. Anyways, oh so my Geo City site is really taking off <laughs> after I got engaged to that prince. So she oh, goes. I'm gonna so put she more goes, neon. Uh, I'm gonna have a visit counter. It's gonna be so great. for some reason she's stuck in New York, even though she her job is her only job is web based. No, her and, job is also to be friends with two people and have a dad. Uh, yeah. So that's all in so New she, York, baby. So basically, she's in a position where she can work from anywhere, but chooses to work from New York, and she does. She chooses. Well, to spend she doesn't. Time she away doesn't know her. She doesn't know her fiance that well. Yeah, she chooses to spend time away from her fiance <laughs> that she knows nothing about because the movies and in the second movie, even more so, they distance the two until. I don't know, halfway through the third act. Um, I don't know what Shakespeare would call the act structure, but I would say it's a three-act structure. Um, but the anyway, so she goes over to Aldovia for Christmas for the wedding, I don't know, a week or two before for Christmas. Um, and she is introduced to Sohil, her, her uh, wedding planner-dress designer. And... Um, she who's very um what's the word um uh, he's a a, a a gay stereotype is that is that the word i'm looking for gay stereotype um, yeah he's like an ai bot had watched father of the bride parts one and two and <laughs> also recognized that there needs to be less white people in this movie. yeah <laughs> father of the bride was like huh instead of having two gay wedding planners why not just one why not just one even the ai bot recognized that this movie <laughs> needed a little bit more color um I also need an angry cook. I also need an angry Slavic cook. Um, and we need to talk about Aldovia a lot and also where it, it lands. Is it like a Luxembourg kind of like, you know, uh, mountainous sort of country that has, has largely, uh, I don't know, a corporate state? Um, or is it a, a large country? We don't really get any information on it. But uh, essentially, Amber... Um, is planning her wedding, but as this is happening, Richard is taking the throne uh, as a king, and the country has lots of economic problems, and they bring in this guy, what is his name? Lord... Lord Dude. Lord... It doesn't matter. There's a guy named Lord something. Uh, Lord Whitey. And Lord Whitey is uh, his uncle or something. He's a family member who is essentially running economic policy under his father and has been embezzling from the country for decades. Uh, but at this time, they don't know that information. So they let him continue to embezzle money from the country uh, for just a few more days. And they, um, they're searching for the real culprit to how to fix the country. Amber is being pushed into uh, a very sexist patriarchal view of what a queen should be that you should be quiet wear the dress we tell you to wear 
uh, erase your past, become a royal, and shut the fuck up and stop asking questions. And she's being pushed in that role by the extremely patriarchal um, structures all around her, including her wedding planner. And uh, as that's happening, she she starts to investigate. Um, while they're planning her wedding, she starts to investigate the economic unrest. She discovers, along with Emily's help and Simon from the last movie, who did a heel turn. Um, is it called a heel turn when a bad person becomes good also? I think it's like called they, a toe turn. Can they, can their, their, I mean, they presumably turn their heel once. Can they unturn their heel? Yeah, that's how you get sprains. (laughs) I need to get to this at some point, but uh, the fact that you both have gout and we're talking about movies about kings is just going to be, it's it's really good for me. Um, (laughs) It just means I have too much uric acid in my system. It's not. Yeah, gout is, but gout is commonly known as king's disease. Yeah, that's uh, because poor people couldn't afford uric acid, and <laughs> I have bought way too much. I have a surplus. It's it's overloading my coffers, as they would say. Here's my question: Does Prince Richard have gout? Um, well, something is freezing his face in a permanent scowl, and I don't know if that's gout, but he might have something too much in his system, like uh, anger and rage. <laughs> <laughs> He's clearly got mental I mean, health issues. I mean, they never really cover that in the first one. I would have uh, said impotent, but I guess they have a Christmas baby in part three. So uh, we'll get to we'll get to our theories on what part three is pretty soon. But anyways, uh, so they uncover a plot to embezzle from the government uh, from Lord Whitey, and uh, they save the day. Um, and Amber was part of the story. Why? Um, so Amber gets to presumably, presumably take a more active role in the government after that, as well as uh, uh, Princess Emily. Yeah, well, because Princess Emily does what? She hacks. Uh, it is true that at the end of this movie, like, everyone fucks. Like, every minor character, wedding planner, uh, queen, uh, cook, uh, the dad, uh, Emily, everyone, like, the, the, the queen, ending. The cook, the dad, Rudy, and her lover. <laughs> the cook, yeah. Uh, but they, every single one is like, all of a sudden someone comes out of the crowd and is like, hey. Like what you did with that, uh, securing the peace of our country. Um, it's it's it is funny how all these characters we barely met or not met find love at the end. Every single character, I was I was literally dying laughing at the end that like her attendant or whoever that was who was like telling her how to be a queen. Like some guy comes out of the crowd and she's like. And he's like, you did a nice job with her. And she's like, I like to think so. And they look at each other like they're going to go fuck. Like, everyone. I mean, the queen. Has why is the queen catching the bouquet? I mean, this is just another reason she's a horrible person. Like, she caught the bouquet at her daughter-in-law's wedding. Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's front and center. Can you think of maybe your daughter, uh, the the person with spina bifida in a wheelchair, and is in love with a young boy? Maybe she could catch the bouquet. I don't know. Maybe that could be a fun thing for her. You know, this isn't the first time that the actor who plays the queen has played a queen. You know the other queen she played, Bill? The Borg queen in Star Trek First Contact. Really? Yeah. Well, so fascinating. I think- can we talk about her real quick? Yeah. Yeah, so she's she's played a lot of creeps before. 
Um, Alice Creaky is her name. Uh, she's played a lot of she's played a lot of creeps before. And the two roles that I can think of, um, I haven't seen the the particular Star Trek. Movie you will. That Aaron's talking about. I will. Um, By the way, that that, that but, side uh, series might be better than your real podcast. Just throwing it out there. Thanks. Yeah. It's a, it's a sideways compliment. Yeah, it's, it's good which promo. I still count as a compliment. If, if you're listening to this, but would like it to be better. <laughs> <laughs> May I recommend our Star Trek. I, I, I'm, I'm plugging Star Trek at the end of this. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, Alice Kriege plays uh, a Borg queen. Uh, she also plays uh, a a witch in the Silent Hill movie, and she plays a mother, a, a, a an incest monster in uh, Sleepwalkers, the Stephen King oh, movie. Oh yeah! So she she has I only know her as playing like uh, elder villainesses, <laughs> like mm. old like like an older woman who is objectively evil. <laughs> And so, and so, like when she popped up in this movie, I was like, "Oh, she's probably the reason why uh, why all these economic problems are happening." I was like, "No, but they made her into a good person in the last movie, and, and like they didn't they didn't make her into like some sort of like uh, embezzling monster, and they're not going to make Richard put his mom in jail." So, um, it's just it's just the the byproduct of when you're a character actor and you play an evil villain role so well, and then all of a sudden someone's like, "Do you want to play?" Uh, uh, mom you're like yeah sure can i still seem conniving a little she, she's not nice i uh, mean you think about it she brings in the ex-girlfriend right like mom why would you bring her oh i thought it'd be nice like when you confront her she backs off but all her actual actions are horrible like she plans the wedding for her for amber right and amber hates the wedding oh i'm sorry this should have happened a while ago. Like, oh, of course you are. Like, she does. She puts the dude in the dungeon without any due process, right? Like, everything she does is actually pretty horrible. If you call her out, she's well, very she, nice. She wants her son to not marry a poor. And uh, and that's very clear. Like, I say that because I'm, I'm trying to reflect what the characters think. Because... The second one takes a – and I was texting Peter about this because it was so funny to me – takes an interesting stance, I think. Uh, it is – first of all, the villain, of course, ends up being the prime minister and the constitutional monarchy. So the the the, the, the totalitarian government is proven to be uh, just and right and evil lies in, uh, in the parliamentary process. But also – so, um, like, the people of Aldovia are starving, and everyone keeps complaining about, like, the poor and how no one can get food, and they feel, like, a little bad for them, but then they also, like, are, like, like when he reads a statement, <laughs> so, at the beginning when he's giving his, like, press conference as king, and is like, and we're gonna figure this out, and no one's starving, and everyone's got food, and everyone's gonna have a chance, and he walks on stage, like, man, I really having to say it. To say all that, pro he says propaganda. People are really hurting right now. It's like <laughs> that's our hero. Like the hero of this movie is like a union busting rich asshole in 2018 in this economy. Like that's your hero, and like the bad oh, guys dude. are like our democracy and unions. And that's the thing about both the movies is that 
he is sort of uh he is the he's the guy in brooklyn that she turns down he's the guy in uh titanic that kate winslet turns down like he's the rich safe option that has they have no real connection but there's security there and these two movies are about her convincing herself that she needs to run away with the rich, safe option. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, for some part reason, three, there's no I'm, other option. She knows two people. That's true. Three well, she doesn't really dad, know him, that is but not, she kind of – she's yeah. familiar. Part three, she gets yeah, laid no, by the jester. What happens part three? I'm just saying. <laughs> that's the guitar she it, really should have run off with, you know? So – it is um, – I'm not sure if they don't love each other or are both incapable of feeling human emotions um, because that's the vibe I get from both of them in all of their interactions. So what I'm really looking forward to for part three is seeing how they react at, to like a baby being born, which is the most emotional thing that can happen to you. Like I bet it's like, oh, look, he's going to be such a nice king someday. And then someone goes like, and that's like, I, I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's not going to be like, watch the trailer. No one's going to cry. I haven't watched the trailer. I don't think you're actually going to get the baby. I think she's just pregnant for all of three. It it is the most bizarre turn. Like, I, I don't know. I don't want to give it away too much. I think you're going to get the baby. This was called a Christmas, like a, a, a Christmas, a holiday wedding or whatever the fuck it was called. And they have the wedding in the last five minutes. And it's like. The least ornate thing you would expect from like. So can I do the recap of the uh, trailer since you guys both got your own recap? (laughs) Yeah, do the recap. This will be news to me. I'll get to hear what a what a what a recap sounds like to someone that hasn't seen the thing. So go figure. Fast forward to Christmas one year later. Right? Um, Can only make Mm -hmm. these movies around Christmas time. It is time for Aldovia to renew their six hundred year old treaty with new fictional stereotypical. Asian country, presumably oh to God. the east of Aldovia. <laughs> this is going to be rough. <laughs> to renew that treaty, emissaries, presumably some king, queen of another totalitarian monarchy type country, arrive in Aldovia so that they can sign this thing in person. But new queen says, I'm changing things around here. I want my kid to grow up normal. Let's tweak the 600-year-old treaty and the way queens are treated. And they say, yeah, sure, great. Let's do it. And they start talking about changing it, but then the tree disappears. Well, Princess, what's the daughter's name or younger sister's name? Emily. Emily says, oh no, the treaty's missing. And if that treaty doesn't get signed by Christmas, the baby will be cursed, (laughs) right? Like legit (laughs) cursed. So we've gone fully into the occult. And so presumably they spend the (laughs) remainder of the movie as a clue who did it. Trying to find the treaty to get it back and get it signed by Christmas so that the newborn royalty is not cursed. So the first one is Fifty Shades of Grey because it's about a woman loving a distant man. And for some reason, the movie just accepts that as a thing. The second one is about court intrigue and undoing some sort of uh, embezzling scheme. I don't know a movie that matches to. Uh, and then three is National Treasure. <laughs> <laughs> the series so I, yeah that's what i said i was really hoping for a taken movie right i mean <laughs> like, hold on hold on but i have so much stuff to process with that information the first thing is 
So women are treated bad in Aldovia because of the... <laughs> Wait, hold on, Bill, real quickly. Does Richard say, I have no particular skills? <laughs> <laughs> I, what I don't have is a particular set of skills. <laughs> what I do have is is hordes of workers that I do not give a shit about at all. In an extremely I misogynistic worldview. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, so my, my so my question is, is that what what the third movie is positing is that uh, the reason why women are still treated like second class citizens in Aldovia is because of a treaty they have with another country. Uh, I think that's the subtext. I'm reading between is the that, lines so from the, that, the preview, but let's run with that. I think that's accurate. That imply that implies that they at some point. For a trade arrangement, a peace arrangement said in a treaty, just to be clear, we're never going to have a woman rule. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, <laughs> peace is good. We can exchange grain. All good. Are they um, – was there a treaty with Gilead? <laughs> maybe. It might have actually been. <laughs> <laughs> also, I can't imagine – I can't imagine they're going to do a country from the Far East well. Oh no, they will not. I mean, <laughs> just my gut. Just my gut feeling. Going to something like a baby getting cursed. They've skipped Christmas spirit, right? There's no Christmas magic, but they're more than willing to jump down the magic rabbit hole around a baby in some treaty with a foreign country. Also, why didn't they make it a Halloween movie and just try out a new a new uh, a new genre, which is the Hallmark Halloween movie? Yeah. Why didn't they write the fucking treaty on a computer? Who skins just steal? Like someone put ink to pen and that's the treaty and the only copy they have? Yeah, presumably. It kind of so, looked like a Torah in a box. <laughs> Wait, so no one no, no one even like opened it up and took an iPhone no, picture not of until it? they show like, up to sign like, it. They open the box like, <gasps> it's gone. I have a real question, and I'm trying to remember. I did just see these movies less than a week ago. There's people talking on Skype on computers. Does anyone have a smartphone? Yeah, she's take. She uses an iPhone, like I don't know, probably an eight. Oh, when yeah. she's taking pictures of the suit of armor, when she gets caught by the you know grounds person who gives her the out to say she's the tutor. Oh, that's right. Okay, it just wasn't like I don't remember any prominent situations. Solved by the cell phone. Like, Not solved, but she's like know, taking she's, really awkward videos of him playing the piano or like taking pictures of like their home before she like realizes she's not actually a journalist. <laughs> she she does. She admires him from afar and then um, she admires him from afar and takes videos of him. And then when they actually have to talk, everything is incredibly awkward in both. Well, that's because she wrote in her notes. So, I just can't get a read on him. <laughs> <laughs> So my guess is that the curse is that if they don't get the treaty and it's signed before the queen, the my guess is that they're going to have a girl, and if they don't have the treaty back uh, in time, uh, the the girl kid will be cursed to not be able to be uh, queen someday. <laughs> the girl, the girl that was born of her womb, will be will will come out and be technically like adopted. unless you unless you know yeah well unless you know where the well no girls can't blood or no blood you know so my guess is the tree is like gonna let girls be like queen if they're the firstborn stuff like that yeah uh, and my guess is that unless they get the treaty back by the stroke of midnight or whenever the kid gets born sorry because it's gonna say all 
from here, from henceforward, all children born on this day. And they're like, well, if we don't have the treaty, then from henceforward doesn't count. So she's probably like holding in the baby like, I can't give birth until we find the treaty or she'll be cursed to not be queen. We'll have to keep having kids till we have a boy. And I hate having sex with him because I barely know him. It's like having sex with a stranger who hates poor people. <laughs> I know three things about this guy. (laughs) And two of them are that he hates poor people. (laughs) Uh, Bill, what do you think is going to happen in part three? I'm supposed to fall on the uh, probability or plausibility scale. Because part of me wants to go on the path of saying, like, in reality, like, Genovia from Princess Diaries, like, their people have been slowly immigrating to Aldovia, and he's committing, like, serious genocide and keeping it from his queen. (laughs) Um, but given the whole plausibility I mean, scale, I'm going to pull that back just a little bit, I think. I mean, if he committed genocide, he probably would walk away going, oh, I hate having to kill them all. But what else are we going to do? We have all these weapons to use. <laughs> and that's like really what happens when a king doesn't want to be king. And then the movie comes up with no good reason for why he should be king. Um <laughs> Well, he already is king, thank God. But yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I think what happens in part four. I think part four comes out on Netflix about six months after Christmas and a sort of surprise release. It's fifteen no. minutes long, and it's mostly the <laughs> royal family being uh, escorted down to a basement and shot like the Romanovs. <laughs> Pierre. Once again, I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't. <laughs> Is like, that not possible? Just you know, I, I always considered you a smart guy, but like, it feels like you're not really extrapolating from the information you okay. have into a realistic next step. I'm going to give you my more plausible version of number three: that the ogre from the classic Aldovian fairy tale that. I can't quite remember, but it's so ridiculous that it somehow involves an ogre turning into a prince, kissing someone, and their baby is Santa Claus, that by not (laughs) signing the treaty, the curse that actually manifests is that prince turns back into an ogre, and we get a Shrek sequel for number four. (laughs) I honestly think part four is they have another kid. That's so lame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that's what I think will happen. They will have a second kid. Uh, twins? Sorry, Bill, probably Bill twins. Just... He, he hires they hire the Rock to move to the royal palace to take care of like their massive children. It's not one kid. There's like at least four more by the next sequel. I want to talk about like I don't know what we're gonna get to in these movies at this point, <laughs> but there is something I need to talk about about part two. It uh, it decides to end with outtakes. <laughs> Which is very brave for a movie that hasn't been funny. (laughs) To be like, like, well, you know, there's some stuff going on behind this set. But Aaron, really quickly, the the weird thing about outtakes is even when the movie's not funny, outtakes are funny. Because seeing people fuck up at their jobs is funny. So, I mean, like, harmless fuck ups, to clarify. Not someone getting their arm caught in a press. Yeah, I mean, everyone could have. You didn't need to clarify that. Everyone knows what you meant, Peter. No one's like, I'm sure what he means by harmless fuck ups is people dying and losing limbs. Well, losing limbs. I mean, harmless to me. What a weird fucking clarification. The actuaries will tell me you lose like half your middle finger. That's 160 grand, right? But you lose your whole hand. That's 250. But 
Anyways, go on. It's <laughs> <laughs> wow. a real thing. Oh. I'm just going to lose a finger at a time. Uh, yeah, finger at a time. That's, that's where you get all the money. Uh, no, so the first outtake is Amber is talking to the queen. And Amber, presumably not in character, <laughs> sneezes. And then they laugh. Because the sneezing was unplanned. And it screwed up her lines. They don't comment. They don't comment on the sneezing. They don't. They don't like. No one says anything funny about the sneeze. Uh, it's just a sneeze, and they look at each other and go, "Oh, like oh, I sneezed." Um, that I swear, like I swear to God, that's their first outtake. Like that they sneezed in the middle of saying a line. I. Aaron, it, you're going down the it path feels of like a the movie. I mean, this was such a. It's not that I. It's not that I hate the movie. It's that I feel like I'm being pranked. Like, like someone had like there's real people that exist that made these movies, right? Like, no, I feel like this I is Skynet. Establish that. I know, but I feel like it's Skynet. Like, all right. So, I've heard of movie outtakes. And that is when the humans make mistakes. Sneezing is a mistake. Us robots don't sneeze. Like that's. It's so it's so insane. Mental health issues. They never establish in the first one why he doesn't want to be king, why he doesn't want to be in the press, other than he's got this weird anxiety or nerves about being a good king. Like that king is fucked up. Like he's got some. That's why it made sense to me that he knew he was adopted. But he doesn't. Right. I mean. Well, I know. But that's what like that was what I thought the reason was. Yeah. And then they never give another reason. And then he's surprised about he's surprised about the news as much as anyone, which is like it would have been an interesting cue if he was like everyone was telling me that I needed to be prince and there was no other option. But that's why I was so weird about this is that I was holding it in. And then they have 10 minutes of him enjoying being king like that could have been a way to satisfy the movie. Instead, he was just like, I'm still pouty. Yeah, I mean, he probably should have taken some context clues because orphans are disproportionately represented in Aldovia. I mean, you think about all the children you see in the movie, they're orphans. So maybe he should have caught on, but instead he's just going to pout, right? I mean, I, I don't want the responsibility of being king. I, I'm afraid to be in front of people up and until someone tries to actually take, you know, the, the throne that isn't rightfully his, then he wants it <laughs> because of his evil mother, right? She guilts him into it, really. Yeah, yeah. She's she because she knows that she has someone in the chair that can uh, someone on the throne that she can control. And if it goes to Simon, she'll have no control. She's probably sleeping with Lord Leopold. I mean, doing the money laundering. I mean, I think that the, you know, hookup at the end of number two was a ruse. She's really been sleeping with Leopold. By the way, they show his bank account and it was only like 2.6 billion euro. Like if that was enough to send Aldovia into a recession, they've got much bigger issues. Like people aren't eating because (laughs) someone stole 2.6 billion euros and all the funds have been returned. I don't think they're big enough to have, you know, a United Hub at their airport. I, th- I think they're kind of like Vatican City. They're just like a city in the mountains. But they have United. United flies direct. I mean, based on it being a hub, I have to assume that it's a large a large <laughs> country. <laughs> and it, it, it's just a corporation country, basically. Like, the government just, just exists to uh, keep the industries propped up. So we should call it Liechtenstein, not Luxembourg, then. I mean, we're re- if we're <laughs> going to get true. after it. <laughs> wow, Bill, really going after Liechtenstein all of a sudden. They know what they uh, did. Are, 
our Lichtensteinian listeners are not going to be happy. We'll we'll check our logs and see if we get any Lichtenstein. Uh, we can see the countries. We that can see the from. countries. Yeah. In the second movie, there's so there's a joke in the first movie that I actually think is like one of the only sw- really sweet moments in a movie that, in theory. Should be like the reason we called it like a very saccharine Christmas is that I think my mental idea of these movies was uh, like so sweet. It is like you choke on it. It's too sweet. It's only sweetness. And I'm actually surprised at how like dire everything is. But the one moment that I kind of like liked is that like, oh, yeah, like that's that's sweet. In the first movie is. Uh, she bonds with uh, Emily, Amber bonds with Emily by going on a toboggan ride. And then when they come back, uh, the queen is like kind of happy that like her daughter is, is like having fun and laughing and got to experience something like she had a friend there to, to do something with her. That's difficult because she has spina bifida and going down a toboggan. I mean, be, it does feel like there's probably some safety things that uh, Amber was not qualified to take into account. But regardless, it turned out fine. Uh, and then the queen goes, uh, you know, oh, OK, well, next time, don't forget to invite me. And that's kind of like just in a vacuum, a sweet moment. Like the queen is happy for her daughter and then kind of like tips her hat to, you know, just because I'm the queen and, and there's a lot going on. Like I'm a human being who can have fun, too. <laughs> So in the second movie, they take that minorly sweet moment and they decide that that's going to be a bit like that. That little offhanded comment comment is actually like a deal. They brokered in blood and they are going fucking toboggan riding next year as a group. (laughs) So they do like the worst CGI fucking toboggan ride. And then at the end, they do. And Bill, I don't know if you were watching at this part, one of the many times you've seen it, but. I rewound it and I am a thousand percent sure that after they roll off the toboggans and decide to make snow angels in the snow, that they are making CGI snow angels against a green screen. What's weird is that the next scene, they are in like probably fake snow, but they're in snow. So why did did they decide to film it after they were off location? Like, let's do some snow angels. Put your back against this wall and try to make snow angels and we'll just fix it all with green screen. Not a problem. We'll have blowing snow and it'll look like a real indent because at some point they were around some type of snow. Yeah. I mean, there is some like then they decent decide- snow through like one of the worst things about the Hallmark yeah. movies is it's always fake snow. Um, but yeah, because they have to shoot it in like, yeah. but eventually like you find that like to be part of the the shtick, right? It's endearing. But in this one, it's like, oh, Netflix goes big. They've got real snow. Except when, like, they're trying <laughs> to, like, you know, actually show some, like, emotional bonding. Then it's CGI. What? Uh, they did. Hold on. But they did. Sh- they did shoot this in a country. <laughs> like, why? Well, I, I mean, I guess that's true of both of us. They shot it on, like. <laughs> they didn't shoot it in, in, in unincorporated <laughs> Aldovia. They shot it in neutral waters. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, everyone fucked the wheelchair. Um, I, I think there's a uh, well. They they shot a lot of it in Romania. Uh, that's what it was. Which is interesting because I think that the the actual castle and such has a good uh, good production value. Um, 
Well, the only the only production fact in Wikipedia is uh, the first movie was shot at this castle in Romania, and then it says citation needed. <laughs> Peel's Castle. I looked it up along with like a lot of the other locations. I, I paid way much attention to that stuff, knowing that like it really wasn't appropriate for this. But now that we're on it, I get to like go nuts. Peter, you'll be happy to know that in the credits or like the opening sequence, I'm trying to remember, of A Christmas Prince, one of like the generic like city streets that's supposed to be New York is most definitely Chicago. <laughs> Which is like, if you don't have enough stock footage of New York City, like who the hell is putting this together? Yeah, because there's the they're showing the, the actual bridges going over the Chicago Canal, the Chicago River. Which is like one of the most key parts of, I mean, one of the most classic parts of Chicago. Like it's shown in most movies, <laughs> um, and then they're like, "Oh, this is New York." <laughs> like, no, 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 this is not. This is not New York. This is literally the so canal. So if, if you pause it, they actually, because right by the canal there, there's like a series of flags. Besides the American flag, there are multiple Chicago flags. I thought I spotted those, but I wasn't. I wasn't sure. Um, I only watched the movie once, not twelve times. Um, the, those are rookie the, numbers. You got to get those numbers up. <laughs> but you're right. Like I spotted that, and I was like, "Oh, this movie takes place in Chicago." And then later on, they were like, "They were like, I just love living in New York with my dad, Rudy." And he's like, "I run the diner. How you doing?" Oh, guys, we're here. I'm so excited for this part. <laughs> We've arrived. I'm just gonna sit back. So, can we talk about? <laughs> Let's talk about the dad for the rest of the recording time. <laughs> I, I had a question for Molly when I was watching this, and I said. Where the fuck did this guy get a hot dog from? <laughs> There's a whole scene where he makes a hot dog for his daughter to cheer <laughs> her up. And he's just like, I got you a classic New York dog. And it's <laughs> he like puts it out on the plate. And, I'm, and all I'm thinking is like, is that horse meat? Like, where did they get... Where did they get this? We got a pretty bad rat problem here. We're, we're, we're doing it up. <laughs> <laughs> And there's That's how I was able to afford my piece for movie number two. Swear to God, same actor, just uh, just lost weight and hair because my daughter's rich now. From so they literally okay. So I feel kind of bad at this scale of movie when they recast the actor. Okay, they recast the actor. Fine. They the needed year, someone the that next was funnier. No, but they, they needed someone they, who was more New York, more street. They needed someone who was more New York. It was funnier that could kind of bounce off in certain scenes because he's actually like part of the plot. Whereas in the original movie, he's just he's basically like. He's supposed to represent home, right? Home and comfort and like, you know, dad's always there for me. He's not really like a character so much as like he's a stand in for for what New York means to her. New York dash Chicago. Um, sort of like in the third Dark Knight movie, it's New York slash Pittsburgh slash Toronto. Uh, well, that's why the, the, the part where at the end of the first movie where he is like he's been in the movie three minutes. It's all of like, what do I do with my life? And he's like, kid, you got to go out there and make something by yourself. She's like, dad, I know. So at the end of this movie, though, like she he gets she gets proposed to during their New Year's Eve party. And he's watching at the window like, yeah, got the got the catch. It's uh, it's so funny because like now I can stop paying her rent. Now I can start paying, paying her rent. But also, like, he just heard the story. And the story is like, I barely talked to him. Uh, I don't know him that well. I ruined his life, but then someone else saved it. So, all good. Uh, uh, it's weird. 
<laughs> it is it's weird. weird. It's weird that he's like, gotta, kiddo. <laughs> so <laughs> like, I, I do respect in the second movie that they actually poke fun at the character switch. They do. But like, I feel kind of bad because that actor has to be watching that at home going, come on. I did this last year. <laughs> I just wasn't New York enough. <laughs> yeah. I don't even have a link on my Wikipedia page. I could have like, I could have done the movie, guys. <laughs> I, you paid me scale. Like, I'll take scale they needed, again. They needed someone who looks like uh, he's Pizza Rat's cousin. Like, he, they needed someone that was so New York that it, it just hurt. Like, someone someone that was so New York that even Scorsese would be like, mm, that, a little too on the nose. Uh, it, it also feels like a huge fuck you because it's like, you know, a little, like, yeah, this movie just came out last year. And yeah, it's being released to the same medium everyone has access that had access before. That's the people that's going to watch it. We're not going to make him look like you. He's going to be skinnier <laughs> and have hair. Fuck you. That's how important you are to movie number one. I also love the idea that they, for some reason, pair him up with a with the hottest person in the movie, which is the, the cook. Yeah. I mean, she's uh, a sleeper at first, but by the end, yeah, totally. At first, all she is is stern looks, but as, as things go on, I mean, uh, this she, maybe is... All right, maybe I'm revealing a little bit too much about myself. <laughs> <laughs> They're supposed to bond over cooking, and she's, like, mad that children are using her kitchen, and then later the screenwriters were like, oh, actually, you were supposed to be upset that you love children so much? I don't know. No, the writers <laughs> were like, you're supposed dating. to be a woman, know your role, let him cook, and then you just dance and be happy. <laughs> also, they're using it to cook Christmas cookies, like, or decorate Christmas cookies. And like, hot dogs. It's not like, yeah, like, it's not, it's yeah, not a big th- thing. It's not like the, the prince has enacted his, uh, his no, no child left behind policy where now children are all cooks. Um, oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, sorry. P.S. Uh, because of all the poverty I keep creating. Well, me and my family, uh, as we try to stamp out democracy and lie to the poor people, uh, all these children live here now. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Only the orphans. We noticed you had a lot of food in here and the, yeah. the orphans need food. So to be, to be clear, they do live in the kitchen because it's the one room I don't go into because other people do things for me. So, yeah, they live here. Get them, get them bug beds. <laughs> Clean up after them. We were going to put them in the yard and give them some tents and stuff, but I really didn't like that whole orphan smell wafting off the yard. But the UN is here again <laughs> for all of our numerous, like, rights violations against women and and poor people. Like, it's really bad. So, can you just keep them in the kitchen for a little bit until the UN goes away? Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Um, when they were introducing Lord Leopold, did you think that it was going to be, like, an actual, like, a guest star like they put a little bit of money aside to get someone like really cool no because <laughs> um, they kept talking about him like lord leopold lord leopold and i was expecting like a big star you didn't want like i don't know like an, an idris elba to show up i mean like that shooting for the stars peter <laughs> <laughs> like no i mean clearly like not even tom Selleck showing up in this movie like uh, he's like hey i brought a gun Tommy Selleck, you gave me to my restaurant, my diner. Ugh, a real gent. That guy knows how to order a hot dog. <laughs> uh, he, he did the funniest thing. This guy came in, Tom Selleck, he came in. He came to my restaurant, I handed him a picture of Tom Selleck. I said, would you, would you sign this? I could put it on the wall. And he signed it a different name. <laughs> he said, I'm not Tom Selleck. We got Quigley? 
<laughs> he said, I'm Idris Elba. <laughs> she comes back from like the, the getaway at the cabin and she's like, there's going to be some changes around here. And she says, and my dad's cooking for the wedding. Like she is so horrible. She's almost like practically royal at that point when like the other chef is like clearly there cooking classic Aldovian food. And she's like, and we're going to have authentic cooking from my father. Like go fuck yourself. Like history of Aldovia. <laughs> I have a simple palate, and that's what we're going to go with. I love New York. <laughs> Wait, but that's what's interesting is that she is just simple across the board. Like, all of her tastes are – they don't want her to be too stylish, too hip, too interesting because they want her to be relatable. The for, biggest base like, possible. The biggest base possible. Yes, exactly. She needs to be – she has she has a heart-shaped locket necklace. Her dress is – as her dress and the way she, dress, she dresses in general is just as boring as possible. The only splash of interest is that she wears Converse, which is still not that – But again like, – it's so edgy, Peter. That, that thing that you're just <laughs> like it's an edgy in like 1992, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> hey, we kind of dropped the edging topic. By the way, we should revisit that. The movie never quite gives you exactly what you need to be fully satisfied, but the whole time it's like pulling at these little strands that you're like, wait, what the fuck? And then it moves on to something super bland core. <laughs> Where you're like, well, I guess that wasn't that weird. And then it throws something even weirder at you. And it so it never quite gives you like the full on transition into like a subversive piece of media. It never quite gives you like a it never quite gives you what you need to like satisfy your Christmas like lust. Either. Yeah, there's, there's not there's a so Christmas little movie. Christmas. They're not it's, Christmas movies. One is one is not a Christmas movie, like basically at all. all. Two two is more. There's like a Christmas pageant. There's more Christmassy events With going the ogre. on. The ogre, the whole ogre thing. I mean, it's not a Christmas movie. I actually think we should probably cancel this whole thing. Yeah, it's been disqualified on a technicality. Like Everyone I said, it should tracks. be called a New Year's Prince because that's what he proposed. And the next one should be called yes. a misogynistic king. Yeah. <laughs> I do think the next one should be about their family falling apart, but that's just my personal opinion. It also it also could be I mean we know she gets pregnant and we know He's that uh, Aldovia yeah, and we know that Aldovia is super misogynistic. Excuse so maybe me, Bill Winfertile. <laughs> maybe it's about Amber fighting to people in Aldovia's right to choose. I was okay, I was hoping that was where you're going, because if you hadn't, I was going to be right there. That is definitely number three. I mean, that would be great. Like if it's like uh, that she's she's fighting for abortion rights because she doesn't want to have this boring, uh, poor hating dudes <laughs> kid. The Christmas baby that never oh, happened. And number four is definitely women's suffrage. They finally get past yeah. like an absolute oh, monarchy. Then they become the constitutional monarchy. So then they got to fight well, for women's suffrage. Well, the weird thing is they, there is a constitutional monarchy. It's just one where where the king can fire the prime minister. And write so like, notes to his wife in a law. Christmas ornament and it's valid. Yeah. It's got the seal of the king. <laughs> That's the law. It's law. That's because this is some this is some weird Aldo, Aldovian has a weird uh, adherence to Christmas protocol. And he's like, <laughs> well, if he uh, if he enacted the law in some way that's related to Christmas, then it is law. Like if he did it related to you know St. Patrick's Day, it would have been nothing. It would have been it would have been a lark from an old king. Um, 
since it's 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 in a Christmas ornament, and this apparently their entire entire nothing happens in Eldovia between the Christmas seasons. Um, it, it, it it's law. Can I say my fair part of my two fair parts about this movie? The first, it's actually in the first one. Um, why not? We're just jumping all around. So one, it opens with deck the halls because it's a Christmas movie, but someone has changed all the lyrics to deck the halls for unknown reasons. Um, which I think tells you everything you need to know is like, oh, deck the halls, which I think is just a standard. Like you don't need to get the rights for deck the halls. Oh, you've changed all the lyrics. Sure. Sure. Netflix. Uh, that is the type of level of Christmas movie that we're getting. And then two, I like that when he's being crowned king. So passing the dictator baton from one person to another, they go, before we pronounce him king, does anyone have any objections? Like a fucking wedding from 1950. Like, what, you're crowning someone the new dictator. Who gives a shit if people have objections? There is like, no right. Why is that a yeah. part of- why is that part of the ceremony? Like, just speak now, or, or just to be clear, he's going to rule all of our lives for. Does anyone have any objections to us giving this one person all the power over all of us? Because if someone does, we'll stop it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Open call to the thousands of people attending the coronation. Any objections? Please don't let me put this, like, flimsy brass crown on his head. <laughs> If anyone has any misgivings about it. Because literally, if we put the crown on the head, it doesn't matter if we find out he's been murdering women and children. He's king forever. So if anyone knows anything, now's a really good time to throw it out there. Yeah. I hope you all did your research over the past two weeks because today's the day. The final <laughs> – this is the go-live date on the yeah. new king. And to be clear. Frankly, frankly, I can't fix him until the next sprint. And the next sprint is 70 years. To be clear, we were not taking feedback prior to this moment. Also, like the only way you can get into like the archives of Aldovia, even if your royalty is to hack your way in – as we established in part two. So clearly all of this is like oral history, right? It's not as if you can go like look into their like actual databases of, you know, historical record. You've got to hack it. Right. And to do that, you're going to need, you know, a 12 year old girl. She's not even a a fucking hacker because they get the password because uh, she slams her, her hand down on the computer. And then I like, I like that. She's not hacking. Because she, she still needs the I mean, password. brute force is a hacking technique. I'm just... And yeah, she's trying passwords, then she just slams her on the keyboard, and somehow that works. They're <laughs> showing like a... They're showing like a, a like Matrix-style uh, green oh. text black background screen, and then she's still guessing the password. Well, yeah, that's the uh, Christmas miracle. I just a, missed it. <laughs> <laughs> she's less of a... She's a hacker to everyone in Aldovia, because she's the only one that knows how to use a computer. <laughs> Because everyone else is a boomer. Well, no, they just and she's old the boomer. They, they don't let the rest of the country have internet, actually. Like, Aldovia at night is like That's North Korea. Right. You see only light around the palace. Everyone else gets their power cut <laughs> after like 7.30. <laughs> Look, we can't afford bread lines and landlines, so pick. <laughs> So I have while we're talking about this, I have I have a theory, and that's why they didn't set this in a real country. Um, 
because any country they sent this in would sue. Like, yeah. there's not <laughs> many, there's not many countries that are like this that aren't, like, committing terrible human rights violations. <laughs> because, okay, because, because yes, you're right. Like, they can't set it in, like, Thailand or something. Um, no! But the, I think my other, my other theory is that um, th- these movies came out of a... Um, an anglophilia it came out of people loving the fucking royal wedding and following all that and women living vicariously through uh through the new uh is she princess whatever um through the new lady that the british royalty have decided are important but has no effect on the government um but the reason they can't do england and they can't do they particularly cannot do modern england um is because I think people are realizing that the English, uh, just like Americans, are gross. They are bad. Um, I think we talked about Brexit earlier. Um, they make bad decisions just like we do. Uh, and they're not – it's not like a populace that you're like, oh, I'd love – I would love to rule over, <laughs> over this wonderful populace. It, it, it doesn't have the same magic to it. So what they have to do is, is set up this fake kingdom somewhere like they did in – like uh, Bill mentioned Genovia in The Princess Diaries and – uh, they have to do that because they need like a clean slate, a country that you have no prior historical feelings about, and that um, they can have the country be kind of old timey, but pretend like there are no modern issues at play. So it's even weirder in The Royal Wedding, the second uh, Christmas Prince movie, when they start entering in modern issues like uh unions and not modern issues but you know like actual actual real life issues like this stops becoming a fantasy disney kingdom in the second one and becomes um a kingdom with actual working class folks in it that are fighting to live and fighting to feed their children and it's weird because the second one purposefully decides to shatter the illusion that this is like them entering into a disney world that you can land in by airplane yeah and like then saying that, like, exposing part of the problems with monarchies in that, like, they exploit the working class and, um, and like, they literally have, like, serfs in a fiefdom and then taking the, the monarchy's side. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a weird choice. Because taking the monarchy's side is fine if you're doing a um, fake Disney princess, like, well, we're rich. All of our subjects are well cared for. It. Everyone loves me. I'm the king. A Hans Christian Andersen or a, a, a um, grim fairy tale kind of yeah, a fairy tale. Um, if you're you're essentially operating in a universe where like okay, the, the, this is a land of noble rulers, and if the kings are good, then everyone below them is happy. It's similar to I was I was making jokes about Excalibur earlier, but like um, it's similar to the King Arthur legend that if the king is good and the king is doing well, everyone in the land is well. But if the king is evil and doing and doing poorly, then everyone is doing poorly below. But in this movie, they're like, well, there's a there's actual like an economy in Eldovia and it just asks all these questions and no one knows be, how it works it, it asks all these questions that lead us to be assholes and have to d- dig into how the Eldovian economy works but it's funny because the movie all of a sudden is asking questions that it has no interest in answering yeah it's it's weird I do like when like uh, 
uh, Amber's like, look, I, I did look over all your numbers and yeah, this should be working for the economy. And he's like, just stay out of it. But it's like <laughs> he's he's got some plan for the economy. And she's like, I checked all the math. And based on what I could see now, keep in mind, I couldn't tutor a 13. But I could balance my dad's but, books at the diner. But I could balance my da- dad's books and it feels like you should be able to, with my understanding of balancing a checkbook, fix this country's economy. <laughs> <laughs> with with your numbers. And then he rightfully says, like, hey, that's fucking stupid. And no, the movie no, is... But he doesn't rightfully say it because he says it's stupid because it is. And then his next statement is, because you're a woman who should just be working on being a yeah. queen. Go back to the women's stuff. Stop. Look, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the economy fixer here. I'm investing in you're infrastructure the... and manufacturing when my economy is based on money laundering. <laughs> <laughs> That's your problem. Uh, so I think we should. I think we should move to final thoughts, mainly because I'm so so tired of talking. I only got one beer left, so so yeah. perfect. We <laughs> did right it. There. So my my final thoughts are that I actually think I am suspicious that this will be of the three movies that we are doing, counting this as one movie. I think this is going to end up being my least favorite um, it because should I be on the merits. Like I just I I do think I. Like, as dumb as this is, even the ending scene of the first one got me almost a little... Like, it didn't, it didn't choke me up, but I was on the precipice of it, even though these characters have nothing... Like, have had, like I had no connection to them as people, as a couple. But, like, I, you know, I've seen enough movies, and I like the genre of romantic comedies in general, that, like, the, the AI bot knew what the moves were that get people to get, like, emotional. And so... I think a little bit of that with a little more charm, better acting, and, like, a story that's not uh, fully devoted into the dire consequences of this terrible backwards country, um, I think I'll end up enjoying a little more. Because ultimately, I just, like, this was a lot of fun to talk and joke about with you guys because it is so ridiculous and it is like it's it doesn't even hit i think the comfort food level of movie but like like they weren't fun to watch and maybe they would have been fun um if like a bunch of people were over for the express purpose of like let's watch this dumb movie or let let me live stream it on twitter but like the the fun i had talking about it is not the fun I had watching it. And I think that's what, like, separates those movies that are, like, truly cornball-y charming in their, in their ineptitude is that, like, they are fun to watch. But, like, these were, like, bummers. They were so sad. Everyone seems sad. Even the, I mean, the microcosm of that. I they were sad. I feel I like they, they were sad, pretty sad. I, watching I mean, them. I feel like, I feel like they're sad. They're well, empty maybe people. Maybe sad's not I the mean, right. They're so yeah, it's just it's just very it's just very dour. Everyone's super serious. And I'll the the example I'll use is that like you have this person plucked out of being a junior editor at a magazine and gets to become a princess and a queen. And you would expect over three hours of movie that there is some part where like she gets to enjoy that in the fairy tale fantasy. And there's not a moment where the movie even considers that that might be why people would watch a movie about someone becoming a queen but she like, gets like a makeover it's admittedly a short montage but she does get the classic makeover. sure 
Get them, get them, show the cool new cars you have access to. <laughs> Go through your room and be like, holy shit, I get to buy these clothes. Like, it wouldn't be original, it wouldn't be interesting, but it shows that there's some, like, joy in what she's getting. And that's, like, why people would watch that. Like, oh, I, I, maybe I could marry a, a prince or something like that. And this movie skips over all that stuff. And I'm not saying it needed that part, it just is indicative of. It misses the joy aspects that should be involved in this, like, becoming a prince or princess, like, fantasy. And the one thing it has to replace that is in the second movie, when her two friends fly up, they're like, oh, should we, like, have a bachelorette party? You are getting married. And you imagine, again, unlimited resources, gonna become a queen, like, show us 45 seconds of them going through limos in a fancy... Like, I don't know. Getting a VIP lounge. Instead, it cuts to 10 seconds of them lying on the couches and doing their nails. And it's like, that's fine. It's just, that's not, like, a bachelorette party for someone about to become a queen. Like, why are you watching this? Like, you could see that anywhere. You could just do that. So, like... The fantasy part of, like, marrying a prince just feels completely absent and instead focus on, like, deception, intrigue, poverty, corruption, misogyny, <laughs> corruption. Like, it's just, like, for a light Netflix Christmas movie, I don't know what it's trying to do. And I don't know the audience that would watch this with that idea and um, not see this as something that may be fun to discuss – but maybe not all that fun to watch. And definitely not something that gets you in the Christmas spirit. Those are my final thoughts. Peter or Bill? Go nuts. <laughs> um, I'll jump in. Um, I, I didn't find it... I didn't find it uh, grim or uh, didn't ruin my Christmas spirit at all. I actually found it... Um, it's, it weirdly enticing because of the spirit. second... Because of it the first movie being paired with the second if we had watched the first movie in just the context of we need to talk about this i probably would have been like it's it's a little nothing like it doesn't it doesn't work it doesn't it doesn't work as a rom-com it's not that funny whatever but paired with the second it truly becomes something that takes my mind to strange places that these movies have no right to go um because this is the reach is so much bigger than these movies tend to be um, and I don't mean that in the sense of its ambitions, which is weird. Uh, I mean, it's reached like the sense that like it's, it's talking about all these big topics and it seems to almost like be more interested in the, the, the surface level practicalities of what being a royal ruler is than more than romance, like just setting up a sweet little romantic story. And in that sense, it's like a fascinating, weird movie because it's like all the elements are here for a different dark movie. But instead at the last minute, they decided like, Oh, well it's, it's cute. And they're like, Oh, you're going to need to hire a different director then. And then they had a director come in. who was like, Oh yeah, these two, they're in love. And you're like, why are they in love? And like, yeah, they, they just are. They're in love. Um, so it's 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 fascinating in how much it doesn't work, but also I had a great time watching both of them because they're they're so like there's so much production value and craziness in in terms of like what it expects you to accept. 
Bill, do you, is there anything you want to throw on that? Yeah, sure. I, I've got final thoughts. I got lots. Um, not really. Hit it. First and foremost, I think we've determined <laughs> that it's not a Christmas movie, at least in my book. So I, I don't feel obligated to go too deep in my final thoughts. But on your kind of parting comments, I still have fun watching these. You guys forcing me to think about it. I mean, these movies are pretty awful. But I will continue to put them on <laughs> while I do other shit in my workshop or watching it on mute while we were just doing this podcast. Uh, you know, I like having it on in the background. So <laughs> despite it not being a Christmas movie, I'll keep watching them. You guys will enjoy the Hallmark movies for their comfort food level a lot more than these. Well, and Bill, to be clear, we are not trying to indict you or say that you shouldn't enjoy it. No, I'm just trying to make you feel like guilty that. for being, you know, elitist pricks. But other than that, I mean <laughs> I feel like I feel like you don't know us at all. Like look at the movie you you're talking about like Yeah, on that on the month you covered a Sesame Street movie. <laughs> you were being very elitist. <laughs> and what you see is cinema. I just want you to feel guilty about No, I'm kidding. We're, we're, well, bad news, we're both sociopaths. If only that were true, Peter uh, and I would have a lot more fun. <laughs> that is probably true. Um, uh, yeah, no, this was a lot of fun, and uh, we may try to sneak in a, uh, to see if our predictions were right. Uh, a, a special bonus episode with Bill on, I mean, we we should probably complete the trilogy. You can't end an empire. What happens to Han? I'm in. I'm totally in, guys. I'm happy to be your shill for whatever role you need me to play. Like, if I could be the only person who likes a certain movie and tell me I got to like it, I'll be here. Uh, Agreed. That is what our wives found out early on. It's like, do they like talking to each other? Do they like watching movies? Do they like doing a podcast? Or do they just like drinking on a Tuesday night? We we should bring that up, actually. So, (laughs) Peter, Molly texted Elise the other night and was like, our husbands are doing a podcast on the Muppets right now, or a Muppets Christmas Carol. And I'm like, oh, that's funny. Molly's so close to what Peter's doing that she doesn't actually know who she's, who he's talking to or what he's actually like doing with any one person. So we could probably say we've got three more of these over the next like, you know, th- two weeks. Whether or not we actually do or not, we'd get probably two hours alone in the basement to drink beers. <laughs> That's a good strategy. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's, yeah, my wife doesn't listen, so it's not like there's recorded evidence where she's like, hey, you've been going down the basement every night. I noticed you're not releasing 18 episodes a week. So what's going on? Thank you for coming on, Bill. This was a lot of fun. I do hope, uh, Christmas Christmas tree or not, that you, uh, you join us more often, especially because... You bought all the equipment. Oh, uh, yeah. You downloaded the right Skype. Hey, this, this stuff's easy. Uh, like I said, it's a good excuse to drink a few beers. Tell me what I got to watch. I'll come on and be the laugh track for Star Trek. I, I kind of want, I, I want Bill to, yeah, I want, well, we definitely could have you on for a Star Trek episode, but I also like the idea of picking a movie that Bill apparently is not into at all and making him watch that and talk about it. <laughs> Let's do it. I, I will do it. I mean, I take this seriously. If I commit to it, I'll watch it. I'll be prepared. I the whole fucking PowerPoint, I can be on again. Uh, but yeah, so uh, next week we have, I don't know where that's going to cut off, so I'm just going to do a clean break. <laughs> uh, next week we have North Pole, which is the Hallmark one. Uh, it's with Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Is that a Peter North movie? Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Very good, Bill. <laughs> Congratulations. You know that thing on like Seinfeld where you like need to leave at a high point? It's good that we're wrapping up. 
Um, so we're doing North Thanks Pole. Thanks for stepping on all my jokes for next week, Bill. Yeah. That's, that's just a Peter and Aaron joint. And then we got more after that. So stick around for a different type of Christmas month. But you know what? There's snow. There's tinsel. There's trees. There's There won't be Bill. But he'll be here. In sp- He's our spirit animal. He's our guide. He's our Sherpa in spirit for for this month. So, all right. Good night. What are you doing? Thank you so much for listening to We Love to Watch. If you made it to the end, hopefully you liked what you heard today. And if you'd like to hear more, please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch. And if you can chip in a few bucks, that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward. Uh, it wasn't an implicit threat by Peter. He just didn't know how to say it. But either way, we'll continue to make more. But it would be helpful uh, as we explain to our loved ones where all our money is going, which is all on server space. Uh, <laughs> if you can't, <laughs> uh, if you don't have a few bucks to chip in, we totally understand and you want to support the show we truly absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on itunes i know every podcast says it and it's because it really does help and so every podcast wants that help so please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically they hopefully want to tune in and listen and thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years Uh, we really do appreciate you uh with kisses and smooches peter and aaron (laughs)